Hello and welcome to Weebspawn. We talk about everything and anything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Fire Force Season 1. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yes, Fire Force. Fire Force is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Atsushi Okubo. It was serialized in Kodansha's weekly shonen magazine from September 2015 to February 2022. And with its chapters collected in 34 Takobon volumes. And in North America, the volume has been licensed for the English language and was released also by Kodansha. USA. The anime series is an adaptation by David Production and it aired from July to December of 2019 on MBS's Super Animeism Block. A second season aired from July to December of 2020 and a third, th- a third season has been announced. The anime television series has been licensed by Funimation, which I believe now is most likely moved over to Crunchyroll, seeing that that, I believe, is how all of their licensing has been going, because I, th- I think we already talked about this, but Funimation is basically becoming obsolete by Crunchyroll. And as of May 2022, the Fire Force manga has sold over 20 million co- or has over 20 million copies in circulation. That is crazy, because I think in circulation refers to physical volumes, not just, like, online volumes, and that is remarkable. That's a lot of volumes. Yeah, especially for one that's as recent, and it's not, well, it is shonen, but it's not, like, your flashy shonen, like, My Hero or Naruto, stuff like that, so. Mm -hmm. Definitely is an accomplishment. So, for any of you guys who don't know what Fire Force is, Fire Force story takes place after the Great Cataclysm, which is an event that happened 250 years ago. 50 years before the solar year zero, during it, the world was set on fire and many nations were wiped out with very few habitable areas left in the aftermath. The survivors took refuge in Tokyo Empire, which remained mostly stable due to mostly stable during the period despite losing some of its landmass. The Tokyo Emperor Raffles... Yeah, Raffles the first. ...established the faith of the Holy Soul Temple as it and Hajima Industries developed the perpetual thermal energy plant Amaterasu to power the country. In year 198 of Tokyo's solar era, special fire brigades called the Fire Force by increasing incidents of spontaneous human combustion, where human beings are turned into living infernals called in- infernals. <laughs> <laughs> While the infernals are first-generation cases of spontaneous human combustion, with more powerful horn variants known as demons, later generation possesses pyrokinesis for retaining human form. The Fire Force was formed by combining people with these powers from the Holy Soul Temple, the Tokyo Armed Forces, and the Fire Defense Agency, and is composed of eight independent companies. 
Wow, yeah, that is a lot to take in. But it's all worth it. I know it is a lot to take in. It's worth the watch, though, because I I didn't know what to think of the show at first. I thought it was going to be really, really weird. And my first impression of this one, actually, when I was told about it, was a friend was saying, hey, you, you got to watch Fire Force. It's so good. Like, you just have to watch it and see it for yourself. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, I'll watch it. And... Just from the name, I'm like, okay, Fire Force, this is going to be really fucking stupid. Because at the time, I wasn't really a huge slice of life person, and I didn't really know. I I definitely wasn't a a sports anime person. So I thought, like, I hated sports anime before I watched Haikyuu. I thought that it was going to be similar to a sports anime where it's like it takes an everyday job or something, like a firefighter, and makes it all dramatic and shit with a fire brigade saving people. I'm like, this is going to be so stupid. I'm definitely not going to watch this show. I'm never going to watch a sports anime. I'm not going to watch an anime that's about someone's profession as a firefighter. This will not happen. And then I started seeing clips of it. And I think one of the first clips I saw was on Reddit. And this Reddit thread was Shinra, the main character, and it said, this dude probably has to go through so many fucking shoes because it was <laughs> just his foot, like um, his sneaker hitting the concrete. And all of a sudden he burst into flames and like dashed at somebody and like kicked him, I believe. And the shoes obviously burnt up. And he's like, this dude goes through so many shoes. I'm like, wait, this dude just summoned fire from his feet. I don't think this show is about what I think it's about. <laughs> so maybe I should watch this. So I started watching it and I loved it. And I was just blown away. And that's one of the things, don't judge an anime by its title. The funny thing is, I had almost a similar first impression. But my impression just came from looking at the cover. I thought, oh, okay, it's another anime that (laughs) turns firefighting, like you said. But I was like, like right before this, what was it? I just read a manga that made badminton really freaking intense. So I was like... Bado or something? Yeah, I think it is. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a chat. And then it was completely different, like you said. I watched the first episode, and I was still a little skeptical because I was like, okay, this is like another like Blue Exorcist type deal. Because he's after these infernals. He has the power. I didn't know like everyone could have this power. I So I, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I just want to put my tidbit in where you're going with this. I had the exact same thought. Continue. Yeah. So like how Blue Exorcist, he's the devil or he's the devil's son. So all the he's using basically the enemy's power for good. And he was nicknamed the devil and all this stuff. So I'm like, okay. And he was hated. I'm like, all right. So you're so he's somehow got infernal powers and now he's going to fight against the Infernals. And then I found out it's just, like, not, like, a very <laughs> common thing, but, like, there are multiple people that have this power. So it's not, like, uncommon, or it's not common, but it, it I would say it's uncommon because not everyone, obviously, would have it. And then one thing, this doesn't really count as a first impression, but this happens a little later, after I got over the initial part and I was like, oh, this is actually going to be a really good shonen thing. I thought it was going to get very political because of, we already mentioned spoilers ahead. 
I think this happens relatively early on. But we learned that Company 8 is task force is to investigate the other companies. So there's obviously some power struggle. So I was like, okay. So now this is just going to get very political. And I'm like, I typically don't like that too much. Especially if it's like in a shonen thing. Um, it, it just gets on my nerves when... It's like you know someone's bad, but you can't do anything because of some loophole in the law, even though they're clearly the bad guy and everyone knows it. I thought it was going to be like that, but it doesn't really turn out that way, and I'll give more tidbits when certain events happen. So that was one good thing I'm glad it didn't do as well. Yeah, so I'm looping back to your firefighter. Like You saw them in the fire gear. Yeah, also, when I heard of Fire Force, I thought it was going to be a firefighter thing, and when I looked it up, I saw them in firefighter gear. I'm like, okay. Suspicions confirmed. This is stupid. Um, So, yes, I get that. And then you mentioned uh, Blue Exorcist. Blue Exorcist, right. And I had the same exact thought with that cold open, or I, I guess it was more of a hot open, but um, with that the first intro scene where the infernal burst we'll talk about in probably two minutes, when that infernal burst and then Shinra like lights up his feet and beats or tries to beat the shit out of him. I'm like thinking, okay, this is just like Blue Exorcist is gonna power these things, and then nobody freaked out about it. I'm like, what the, f- like, how does this make sense? Like, why would you not be freaking out that a kid just lit his feet on fire and then you learn that it's not that not completely uncommon so yeah i was it just kept throwing me for loops and i was really confused yeah but it like you said it a lot of the times ended up turning good that because i had so many cliches that oh it's gonna be this no it's not oh this is gonna no it's not i'm like yep (laughs) well damn it has some cliche but they do it not they do it pretty well yeah it's like it's still cliche, but they do it where it's still fresh. I guess. Yeah. It would be the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So So I yeah, I was gonna say we could just jump right in then. So as you mentioned, at the opening scene, we get a first glimpse of what spontaneous human combustion is right from the start when we see a person inside the train leak out black smoke. Then, of course, we get our nice protagonist shot, Shinra Kusakabe, who bumped into a girl and scares her away with his devilish smile, which is, oh, it's a weird thing, but, like, I understand why they, like, put it in there. But, yeah, it, he, the story is he smiles when he gets nervous. It's a, some disorder, I guess, he has. Nervous tick type thing. Yeah. And before he actually arrives at the station, the alarm goes off, signaling an inferno. And before our wannabe hero can take any action, Fire Force Company 8 comes in and finishes off the inferno without much difficulty. However, before they return, Shinra notices a light about to fall on Iris, the sister of the company, and uses his pyrokinetic powers coming from his feet to swiftly grab Iris before harm can befall her and promptly introduces himself to the vice captain Takahisha Hinawa that he is the new recruit and he is taken back to the company 8's headquarters where he meets the rest of the members and tells them 
His reason for joining is to be a hero. Yeah. I loved this opening. Just because it gets right to the point. It shows you what the enemy is. It shows you what Shinra's power is and the possibilities with it. It kind of is creepy because he just bursts into flames and goes on a rampage. So it kind of builds this mystery of what the fuck is going on. I really enjoyed it. It was a a nice quick way to introduce Team 8 or Company 8 as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a good opening. The one thing... I will have to say that I, I feel like it was more for the animators to brag about their skills. Oh, for sure. But the distance from Shinra to Iris seemed way longer once he used his powers than it did in like the <laughs> scene literally before where it's like, yeah. oh, he's like 10 feet away. But then all of a sudden when he uses his power, it's like, oh no, he's 60 feet away now all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Yeah. That was definitely an interesting one. (laughs) Interesting perspective. It was a good scene, don't get me wrong. It just seemed like all of a sudden the distance was like twice the distance. (laughs) After being introduced to all of the new members, the alarm goes off and Shinra departs on his first mission as a member of the Fire Force. And they arrive at this factory where their goal is to eliminate the threat and rescue the last worker that's trapped inside. And shortly after, they find the burnt corpse of the worker that they were actually supposed to save. So the priorities kind of shift, and it's time to eliminate the Infernal. Now, Shinra still has some trauma from his past, because we kind of mentioned it a little bit, or you did at least. And in his past, his mother and little brother actually died in a fire. So when he sees this Infernal, he hesitates to kill it, knowing that they were once a human being um which is kind of interesting because he was getting ready to throw feet with uh infernal in the previous scenes but that's okay he he has his moments because i it's probably because this scene reminds me too much of the past where that one was in a train so or at a train station so it didn't really trigger that for him so um because being part of this team this fire force it means that he really has to work together with his teammates and his actions can not only cause harm to himself but to those around him as well and that's when uh captain akitaru obi tells him that the luminous blue stripe that rings their bodies are the ties that bind friends together in a world of flame and smoke some inspirational cliche anime stuff going on but that's okay because we this show is still sweet and that not all and then he kind of explains that Shinra's not alone in this. Like, they're all teammates. They have to work together. So one of uh, Shinra's teammates, Maki, uses her second-generation powers to distract the Infernal, while Shinra works on the rest of the team, and or works with the rest of the team, and successfully brings down this Infernal. Now, second-generation powers isn't like Shinra. Shinra is able to produce flames and use them at will. Second-generation can only manipulate flames they can't create them on their own so maki is a little bit different but her power is still pretty sweet so once they finally get outside there are cheers from the people and the captain tells shinro that he's finally starting to become the hero that he wanted to be and this was really nice scene because you kind of see that uh i guess there are superpowers in this show but even normal people like the captain 
are normal people and they're able to help and save the day. So this show adds a nice mix between the people who like the second and third generation uh, users and regular people. And I think that's a, a nice little way to p- kind of balance things and not make everyone so overpowered. Yeah, I like that there's not like like a wide variety. It's all fu- it's all pyrokinesis or pyrokinetic mm-hmm. powers. It's all based on fire. There's no like random ass one, at least as far as I know. <laughs> I've only watched <laughs> season one and I haven't read the manga, so unless you're Neither like super far ahead then all of a sudden like oh this dude can use black hole but uh <laughs> as far as i know everything is fire based so it's kind of cool that they limit to that but then there's very creative on how they do it and like shinra's whole battle styles with kicks and everything obviously because of how he's able to use fire through its feet but that's like everyone they all fight uniquely with their powers that they are given and thank you for telling me the difference because I knew the difference. Like I knew, but I couldn't like put it in words between second yeah, and third gen. <laughs> it took me a while to realize what was going on because I noticed Maki, like she has something that kind of brings her fire to fruition, but um, I never really understood it. They did ex- do explain it eventually, I, but it took me a while to really piece it together. Like, oh, second gen can't produce them. That, that's really where the distinction lies. Yeah. And also, we learned that Shinra is not the only new recruit Company 8 is getting. The next one is Arthur, who lives up to his name and wants to become a knight. Or at least he thinks he's a knight. I think his his actual wording is Knight King, which yeah. is, <laughs> like, he always adds knight to whatever he wants. He's very dead set on this knight persona. And... Maki is on the roof showing off her abilities as a second-gen pyrotechnic, as we mentioned to Iris, when the two troublesome boys, Shinra and Arthur, show up to fight each other. Of course, before anything real fighting can happen, Vice Captain Takehisa arrives and orders Maki to fight the two to more or less discipline them to show that they are workies and they need to respect their superiors. And when they start, obviously, to fight, Shinrony uses his fire from his feet. However, his flames get taken over by Maki's ability. When she tries to take control over Arthur's sword, it doesn't work because... Forget the reason, it's a plasma, it's like plasma, so... Yeah, yeah I think his more is basically more refined fire. It's, it's very hot and precise, whereas Shinra's is more basic and primitive. Yeah. That's my understanding, at least. And so he thinks he has the upper hand, and he goes to fight, but Maki is actually a, I don't know, master, but very good at close quarters combat and still easily takes Arthur away. Hell yeah, she's ripped. Oh yeah. Girl can fight. (laughs) And seeing how weak he was, Shinra resolves to get much stronger. But I think one of the best parts about this is Maki's ability basically gives life to flames, as in they literally talk and everything, and absorbing all the fire from them too. She made this really big fireball, and they had to extinguish it. And the fire is like crying, and then she's crying <laughs> too because she's like, "No, don't hurt him." Uh, I just Maki's such I a love good her little fire. Yeah. Maki's such a good character because 
she is this really strong buff woman but she has the heart of a princess and like even iris makes a joke about it how she's normally this cool strong person but in her head it's nothing but flowers and princessy and stuff like that Mm -hmm. very girly yeah she definitely has the best of both sides like she's you piss her off you're gonna get a very very like strong woman who's not afraid to beat your ass but you, if you're on a bright, good side, she's also like a, such a sweet person and is all about the the crew. So I love her. She's a great character. And I love Arthur. He is such a stupid character. Like <laughs> He is so fucking dumb. But I absolutely love him. He has this comedic relief that is just relaxing. I don't know. When he's on scene, you're like, okay, he's going to be in Fantasyland King Arthur here. This is, I like this guy. Yeah, he's definitely a good break of, like, when stuff is, like, very serious. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, after this fighting that happened, we see the new recruits and the captain eating together, trying to kind of strengthen their bond. Afterwards, they go down to the armory where Akitaru gives Shinra the battle axe and... Offers one to Arthur, but he declines because he's got a sword. Knights don't need that shit. Uh, Akitaru mentions how they need an engineer to help them with maintenance since he needs to carry on over 30 kilos of equipment, which is kilos and freedom units is about 60 pounds. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he doesn't really have any special powers like everyone else, so he has to carry all this equipment just to keep him safe uh, from the Infernals. Because... Uh, Pyrotechnics uh, kind of have this natural resistance to flame. They're not immune, but they definitely can take heat, a lot of it. And yeah, Akitaru really doesn't have that. And once they're all suited up, they leave in a vehicle called the Matchbox, which is basically this souped-up armored fire truck, I guess. Yeah, um, it's almost like an armored vehicle like a GTA style where you rob a bank with. <laughs> it almost looked like a, a doom buggy, how it's like narrow in the front and kind of wider in the back. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a mix of everything. Really. It's just a, a sick vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty armored up. And th- so, yeah, this is their transportation and they head to the scene and the captain tells Shinra and Arthur to hide their weapons from the public because their loved ones there, they, they watch their loved ones turn into these infernals and they could possibly be watching the scene. And ho- hoisting weapons in front of them is not something that you'd really want to know is happening in there. And Arthur faithfully... So they go in and Arthur faithfully disposes of this inferno without much trouble. And this is the first time we get a look at this mysterious man watching from outside. And he kind of mumbles that while the brigade is fighting infernals, the real step is just outside their doorstep. And I want to loop back to the whole putting weapons away thing because I really like that because I feel like a lot of shonen manga are all about fighting and being flashy and all this. But this kind of takes that turn of they're not in it for this flashy glory. They're in it to help others. And it doesn't matter what they do behind closed doors. They need to get rid of the Infernal. But it's all about keeping the persona that they're being peacekeepers and they're exercising this demon and basically laying them the rest. 
and giving the idea that it is some glorious um, religious beautiful thing even though it's fighting and death so it was it's really nice to see that it's kind of a, a different take on the shonen manga and shonen anime yeah like you said i feel like it it really gives you the image of like a firefighter like what they're mm-hmm. basically based yeah. around and they don't have a pretty job yeah even the fact that the captain ended up during the fight with the inferno took a picture of the family and ended up giving it to the daughter who has left. Mm -hmm. And he, I think I can't remember the exact line, but he mentioned something that basically once someone turns an inferno, there's no way of coming back. So the best they can do is to help those who are left behind. And it really gives you a, view of what like the core principles of the fire company eight is all about and this show kind of goes deep for a hot minute like that's honestly pretty deep for a a kid show yeah it was actually like i said the morals is really good and there's a lot more in depth in it and i'm just glad they didn't go too political with it with all this stuff where about to be talking about here in just a moment so shinra and arthur the two rookies were able to complete their first missions with little trouble so to speak so now akitaru tells them of the upcoming rookie games essentially it's when all the new recruits from all the different companies will come together to compete to show off their prowess and also kind of like friendly rivalry between companies pretty much is what this is about. Of course, this strikes well with the competitiveness of the two as they head off to prove themselves. At the start, Shinra gets a head start with his abilities since he's able to fly up the staging tower where the rest have to enter from below. Except, of course, it doesn't turn out the way he expected as he runs into someone who is not part of the games. And he's revealed to be Joker, who was the <laughs> mysterious man we saw earlier. He knows of Shinra, and he calls him the devil because of what happened 12 years ago. Joker reveals he knows about the figure he saw in the fire, and that his little brother show is actually still alive, and that he should join forces with him. Shinra, of course, refuses his offer, because he wants to be a hero. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he joined the episode over. Yeah. <laughs> Season over. How, how intense. He'd be like, all right, cool, let's go. <laughs> so, of course, a fight ensues. And Arthur and Tamaki, a new recruit from Company 1, who he had a little run-in before the game started, manages to catch up and see them fighting. But before the three of them can try to capture Joker, he uses his powder power thing he can do spread all throughout the building and destroy it but luckily the three manage to escape and shinra confronts the captain akitaru his captain and asks him what is the purpose of the fire force and that's when akitaru reveals that company's eighth job is actually to investigate companies one through seven and finally lead to what causes human spontaneous combustion. Oh, I think I... Um, 
quick question before we move on. How much, because I've seen season two, how much of Joker do we know of, like, by the end of this season? Uh, pretty much nothing. Okay, he, uh, then I will refrain from saying anything besides he, I love his ability. He, I mean, we see him use powder. He does fight show, and he has, like, a, mm-hmm. he uses, like, a playing card as his sword. And then right. we also know he is talking with uh, the doctor, the crazy doctor, Victor. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And cool. he can also, like, teleport. I think that's about okay. it. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I just, I love his powder ability. I won't go into details about it until we get an. I uh, love him as a character. Already. One. <laughs> oh, he's just so mysterious. He's fucking cool. I love the voice actor. They, um, t- they chose a really good voice actor. I know I forget where I know him from, but uh, I love the voice actor choice. Um, my favorite character. I we haven't introduced him yet, but uh, my favorite character is Benny Maru. Benny Maru is nice. Oh, he's such a good character. Like okay, uh, we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. Since we're talking about voice actors and characters and stuff, whatever. Okay. So yeah, so he they they need to investigate company one through seven, and this is where the politics come in, which like you said they actually don't go too deep into it. Like they kind of keep it brief and on the surface, which things, I love. Yeah. Uh, let me just tell you, things start to get weird. Like the whole show, like after season one, it takes a direction that I don't I don't even know how anyone would have predicted it. But we'll talk about that later. Whew, it gets super weird. So. We start to learn the origins of Company 1, 2, and 5 and how they were formed. And basically, each company has their own alternative, ulterior motives from each other, even though they're all supposed to be under the same name of Fire Force. But they're, it, when we're doing all this, we're interrupted by the vice captain when he tells them that the results of the test on the powder um, they, they, that they found from Joker... And meanwhile, Joker is talking to one of his associates and reports about Company 8 and his interests in Shinra Kusakabe. Of course, while this is all going on in the real world, doesn't stop, as another Infernal is spotted. So, kind of have to cut things short. And this time, though, he remains... So, yeah, this Infernal is weird, um, because he had some of his intelligence intact, and he starts to kill innocent people um and like innocent bystanders so this is definitely different from normal infernals because they just kind of flail about and just do their own thing because they're they're almost like animals but this one is kind of being wild he is doing things intentionally and that is not a normal infernals mo so shinra and company eight managed to stop him before he decides to flee so with Shinra's ability, he's able to chase after him, and he catches up and fights with him by himself. However, just before he's able to give the final blow, Company 5's captain, Princess Hibana, stops him and captures the Infernal for herself. And she tries to teach Shinra a lesson, but um, he manages to break free from her, and before a fight breaks out, the rest of Company 8 shows up, and since this was their jurisdiction... Um, well, they, they, like, they show up because it's their jurisdiction. And Hibana simply tells them that they need this Infernal for research and insists that all the findings will be shared with Company 8, so don't you worry. 
Um, of course, Aki Akitaru knows this is not true, but he agrees anyway. Don't want to really get your hands dirty at the moment. You can't do like inner conflict fighting, especially when your mission is to investigate people. You don't want to have a bad reputation with them because it'll make your job a lot harder. So this was um, this was an interesting encounter. And I just got to say, it, the Captain Hibana's English voice actor is Urza Scarlet's English voice actor. So that was pretty cool. Because <laughs> I love Urza. I didn't watch the dub. Uh, but she is one character I changed opinions on oh, relatively so quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because this, honestly, she was a bitch. I was like, oh my god, this is the type of character she's going to be. Oh, I'm going to hate this character to my core. This is the whole, like, political thing, nonsense that I didn't want to where, like, Akitaru knew what was going on, but he can't say anything. And they had the upper hand when everyone knows what she's doing is wrong, but there's no, like, loophole. So I was like, oh, this is where this political bullshit is going to go. But it didn't. You'll find out here soon enough. But she actually becomes a very likable person and actually one of my i won't say favorites but it's definitely close it's above uh like if i had to order them she's definitely in the upper half yeah i would agree completely upper towards the yeah she's just great later on (laughs) right now she's a bitch (laughs) yeah she is pretty insufferable right now so after this confrontation there is some tension between the two companies and this is where we really do learn that even though they're allies, they're very much separate. Akitaru and Shinra start to discuss the role of what a fire soldier was and what the purpose of the company is in detail. Later on, the rest join in and they all start joking around when Takehisha shoots Shinra in the leg with his gun and then we finally get to reveal what his power is. He's able to... What is it? He controls the blast of the gunpowder in his gun so he can make it a non-lethal shot, pretty much. So mm-hmm. the spark in that powder, he can he's able to control. He's a second-generation pyrotechnic. And that's pretty crazy precision, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Because that fire's only there for a split second. This dude's got reflexes like Spider-Man or something. Yeah, if we had to say who had the most control of their ability, it has to be him. Yeah, for sure. So, after the meeting, Maki and Arthur go to the rooftop to spar, but Takeisha keeps Shinra behind as he wants to talk to him about Hibana's background and how she became the captain of Company 5. As we kind of mentioned earlier, the specialty of 1, 2, and 5, 1 was founded by the Holy Soul Temple, 2 was founded by the armed agency that we mentioned earlier, that the three people that, like the three agencies that came together to form fire force and five where she was the company was like the main person doing it is hajima industries that is backing like company five and so iris on the other hand was busy performing a purifying ritual and started to reminisce about the past we learned that iris and hibana were both from the same sisterhood i think is that what you call them Sisterhood? Yeah, I, I I think. Or just church. Like monastery, church. They were both nuns. She's still a you know, sister, yeah. but... I've, I forget that part of my life. I would have known probably like <laughs> eight, eight years ago, but... 
So later that night, Iris sneaks out and goes to confront Habana about her illegal research with Infernos. Though it doesn't go as well as you expect, and Iris is pretty much captured by Habana at this point. But then we hear a loud noise coming from outside, and Shinra proclaiming he is here to rescue Iris. Yes, so... Company 8 arrives on scene. Shinra is told to go on without them since he'd be able to find Iris the fastest with his abilities. Meanwhile, the rest split up and search for Iris as well. And they also search for some research papers hidden within Company 5's warehouse. So we have a couple different fights that go on here. There's the uh, Takehisha-Maki combo fighting against Toru uh, Kishiri, who manipulates these smoke bubbles... Um, I guess that's the best way to describe them. And these bubbles cause explosions. Simple as that. Although um, Takehisa's ricochet ability, or with uh, Takehisa's ricochet ability, he defeats him before facing the fifth, the, the fifth division's three angels, who, once again, they get defeated relatively quick. Like, fighting in this show is actually very to the point. And I really enjoy that because you don't need 27 episode fight scenes. I know we talked about this before with um, like old fashioned manga and anime versus now. So this really wraps it up. They kind of show their animation prowess and they get to the point. They have some fun fights and shit. Um, Arthur meets up with the Infernal again that was captured previously. And with the help of an experimental drug, they were able to control it to an extent but uh, he fights well, and he eventually gets pushed back before realizing he's wielding, uh, he's wielding his sword in his left hand, even though he is right-handed, and switches hands and very quickly <laughs> defeats this Infernal. And this is what I mean by this dude is a stupid fucking loaf. This boy is so dumb. Look, like, I, I know it's a show, but how the fuck <laughs> did you accidentally fight left-handed when you're a right-handed individual. He's just a fucking idiot, and I love him. He is just so funny. He Like, he definitely has his really dumb moments, and, like, there are a couple times where he's, like, annoying, but he's, like, he's so lovable that mm -hmm. you can't hate him for long, and this was just one of the instances where he's just, just like, after he's getting he's just shot. He's like, oh, my God, I... I'm using my sword in my left hand. Like, it, it was like this major shock to him. Like, what the hell? He oh, switches God, it, and then so all of a sudden stupid. he gets, like, a power-up. And he's one of those characters, too. Like, he's so enthralled in his fantasy that when his fantasy starts to break, he starts to break. So, like, his flames get weaker. He's not as strong. And if you indulge him, like, hey, this is a a knight that you're fighting who's coming to take your throne. And he's like, oh, fuck, no, we ain't. And <laughs> yeah, pretty he's much. Just, he's so stupid. Oh, it was great. So, after this, the Takehisha Maki combo go on to find the research documents when Iris starts to talk with Hibana again about their past at the temple. Before it can really get anywhere, though, Shinra bursts through and the two begin to fight. Hibana at first has the upper hand. But of course, our little hero prevails in the end. Hibana gets knocked out and we get a nice little flashback about her time in the temple and she wakes up 
on Iris's lap. Iris tells her that all the sisters used to... Oh, to explain what happened with these flashbacks that... Before we keep mentioning... Iris <laughs> and Herbana are the only survivors left of this church. It actually caught oh, on I fire. I forgot about that. Yeah, it actually caught on fire. And then because of this, this is where the rift happened, where Iris stayed true to being a sister... And Habana went to research Infernos. So that's one thing of going on. Yeah, completely forgot about that part. Yeah, kind of major in a sense because it's a big part of what made Habana who she is. (laughs) And like I was saying, Iris tells her that all the sisters used to look up to her as a hero, but Habana states that she had nobody to look up to herself. And that's when Shinra joins in and says then I'll be your hero. And we get to see a little blush coming from Hibana as the fighting is finally is finally finishing up and is under wraps. And this is the turning point where Hibana becomes so much more lovable and is actually has mm-hmm. a lot of cute moments. And I just love the way she interacts with Company 8 from here on out. Yeah, it's like, oh, you aren't actually completely insufferable. You were just... In that moment, you were just being super dumb. And this is another thing I also loved about it is another thing that was I thought was going to be a little like Blue Exorcist 2 is when people find out like their motives or whatever or find out something with the protagonist when they're against the protagonist that they don't really join forces with them i would say they still kind of act on their own but a lot of times in this show they actually end up joining forces and we actually slowly start to see them becoming like a like bringing in more people and it's actually real nice instead of just always having enemies like they Mm -hmm. were enemies he didn't out beat them and then he's still an enemy that will try later on to outsmart him no they actually become allies and yeah, there's like, cool, let's put aside our differences. Yeah, which I actually enjoyed. Me too. Plus, these characters are, like, most of them are pretty interesting. They're very different from each other, so it is a nice little uh, juxtaposition from each other. So, now with the fighting done, they have to kind of figure out an excuse as to why the two brigades decided to fight. But instead, they just invite everyone to a dinner party to smooth everything over. Uh, Shimura's a little suspicious of Hibana's sudden cooperative nature. But it can't really be helped since she seems to have fallen for his heroic act. This is kind of like the classic anime stuff. She's like, oh, I really like this guy. Um, But during the dinner party, Hibana talks with Akitaru and decides to tell him everything that went on with her research. Like, she's an open book at this point. No no secrets. So, of course, he is skeptical about why she tells him all this when she reveals it's because it's another other than Shinra opened her eyes. And that is... When we find out that some of the Infernals are actually being artificially made. And they have been centered around the Shinjuku district. Which happens to be the district of Special Fire Company number one. So they waste no time. They're like, now we're going to fucking infiltrate company one. Even though they're number one, we're just going to do it. Because that's our job. Well, actually just before that we get a brief display of how hibana has almost naturally fit in with company eight and how she easily captures the hearts of the members a little light-hearted fun before another serious heart happens and there's some really good relief involved with this 
And anyways, they kind of devised this plan to infiltrate the first together. And the plan is a rookie exchange program. And this is located at the Citadel in the first HQ. So Sheena and Arthur are both posed as new rookies, which, I mean, they are, but secretly they're just here to get information from Company One on the Infernals. So it's this, like, little undercover mission. And nobody expects rookies to have such a serious job, so they're kind of just overlooked. But things don't really go as smoothly since Shinra kind of starts confronting the members and captain of the first company. And he asks the captain for a sparring match to see if they're fit to learn from them. So Shinra's got some balls. <laughs> yeah, but the spurs go pretty much as you expect with all the rookies losing, but we do get to see some of the new abilities from the commanders. As we see one of the commanders, uh, Karin? Karin? Is that how you pronounce his name? I think it's um, how you pronounce his name. He's able able oh, to yeah, Kar- Kareem. Yeah, he's able to turn fire into ice using sound waves through the heat he generated. Doesn't go into too much detail, but it's still pretty cool. So, you know, challenges the commander himself because he was the one that was there 12 years ago. He recognizes and he wants to find answers. However, he is defeated before even landing a single blow on him and learns nothing about the fire. Captain tells them they can reside here for the time being, but Karim informs them that if they try anything suspicious, that he would kill them. And almost like a jinx, we get to see a suspicious man contacting a group telling them that the 8th Company might be onto them. With suspicions at hand, Shinra and Arthur join the company on a call, but are told to stay put. At first they do, but Sino catches a glimpse of someone using a bug to create an inferno and immediately gives chase and runs into Rekka and Karim standing there when he runs into them in an alley. Now with greater suspicions once more, they go back, but Shinra breaks into Karim's room with the help of Arthur and finds the bug in a jar, only to be spotted by Karim himself. Karim tells him he was looking into the bug himself and that only leaves one person who could have done this, Rekka. Rekka, on the other hand, with the help of Tamaki, who was too naive and trusting of Rekka, helped gather kids because he said he knew a prayer so they'd never turn into infernals, but actually brought the bug to test to see if the kids were compatible. Yeah, pretty fucked up. Ah, that's it. <laughs> also, um, I just want to do one little sidebar. Turning fire into ice is just completely doesn't make any sense but whatever (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway after one of the kids is given the bug he didn't turn and he finally found the kid he was looking for tamaki tries to fight back but is easily easily defeated by rekka and asks for someone to save her when shimura bursts in shimura and rekka fight and when we learn why rekka did this um, that Shinra is also the person that he is looking for because he is someone with something called an Adola Burst. A special talent only three people that we know of now have, and this is something that his superior wants from him. So Shinra is enraged about learning everything, and he goes to attack, and the two have this intense fight, 
But at the end, Kareem is uh, the one to end the fight by freezing Rekka into a block of ice. But before we can bring them back for interrogation, white-cladded robed figures come in and they kill Rekka so no information can be leaked. Now, with the death of a member of Company One and the scandal behind it, the Rookie Exchange Program is called to an end and they have to go back to their respective companies. With everything slowly getting around about or around um, from the Conference of Captains, or with everything slowly getting around, a conference of captain is held where all captains of the eight companies must attend. And we finally get to put a face behind every single company, which is really nice because we've only seen a few. And it's nice to see a face behind everyone. And you kind of wonder, like, theorize, what are these people's powers? Why are they or how strong are they? And all this stuff. And there is, this is where information of these white-clad people are discussed and that their target is Shinra since he has this Adola burst and that he must be protected. But um, he says that he can protect himself, so we should listen to the kid. Um, but with the help of Hi uh, Hibana, they manage to let him be. And on their way back to HQ, Shinra is encountered by the Joker yet again, which this time given another clue saying that he's going in the right direction because that's not cryptic at all. And once back at their base, they enjoy a nice meal with everyone, and the captain talks about the origins of Company 8 and how they were formed. And after hearing this, Shinra felt he needed to be honest and finally come clean about meeting the Joker and about his brother's show. And the captain is the first to speak and tells him that don't worry because uh, they'll be on his side. And that is really the only thing you can ask of a, a team. I love how quick they were to kind of back him up. Yeah, another thing that um, like they didn't even ask him like, oh, if you if you were gonna fight him, could you kill him or anything? They were all like, no, let's save him. Like they, mm -hmm. the very core of what he was trying to bring across of what Company Eight is, they didn't even hesitate to help him. So I'm glad they never went back on that. Yeah, they they don't really waver on their morals, and that's something great about them. And so after we hear them have their little heartfelt discussion, Company 8 decides to visit Asakusa, the jurisdiction of Company 7, whose captain is Benimaru. We get to see Love him. Yeah, he's actually really sweet. We get to see him in action when an Infernal comes and he shows off his powers that he has both a second gen and third gen pyronetic powers. During the fight, he destroys numerous houses and Company 8 is shocked when nobody is worried as the people claim it is like a prayer for them since houses can be rebuilt and company eight decides to help rebuild and leaves a good impression on Benny Maru. Just when things were going well, the right cladded enemy shows off a new ability to transform into other people and set up captain Akitaru and Takehisa and Benny Maru overhears the fake captain and vice captain saying that they were creating artificial infernos when he confronted the real ones, they kept denying everything, putting a rift between the two. Soon, though, chaos ensues all over Asakusa as multiple people are turned into each other, causing a lot of confusion. Benimaru takes the leader role and informs the entire village that regardless if you're fake or not, to start an all-out brawl, which I thought was freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Meanwhile, he will take care of the newly formed Inferno. All the townspeople cheer and claim it to be just part of the festival and just start going at it with each other. It was awesome. Fucking insane. Shinra... These people are uh, crazy. Yeah, it, w- it was one of the best things. Shinra and Arthur, Arthur, while helping people to evacuate, run into two of the white-clad members and start a battle of their own. The sniper from before that killed Rekka is here, and the two get overwhelmed at first, but Arthur and Shinra are able to persist defeating one of them while the other tries to escape. Shinra catches up with her, and she tells them about his flame and how it was made for destruction, and that he should join them in their cause. But of course, he refuses the offer. Yeah, this whole this whole entire episode was just chaos. Fucking wild, and I loved it. <clears throat> so... After the fighting dies down, Benimaru is indebted to everyone in Company 8 and decides to make a friendship with them um, out of whatever and help them out with whatever they may need. When they try to go back to their HQ, they're met with a rather shady person named Victor Licht, who claims to be sent from Hijima. Or, yeah, claims to be sent from Hijima Industries to help out since uh, they don't really have an engineer. And this causes the team to seek out Vulcan, one of the best engineers out there, and they recruit him. The problem is he absolutely hates fire soldiers, and Shinra still attempts to go to him and recruit him. And while there, he sees Captain Giovanni, who is the captain of the third company. And uh, they try to get him as well. Uh, Like, the third company tries to get Vulcan as well. So Vulcan also refuses this because, once again, he is a man of his word. Fuck the fire soldiers. And because of that, moments later, white-clad members come and try to force him to give up the key to Amaterasu, the uh, power plant that we mentioned a while earlier in this episode. So even with Shinra and Arthur there, they're greatly outmatched, especially when the commander of the white-clad show um, shows up. Unfortunately for Shinra, it's not an emotional reunion of brothers, and Sho points out, or Sho, Sho points his blade towards him and Arthur, and is able to immediately subdue them. Just when it looks like Shinra is going to be captured, the Joker appears and fights off Sho, and kind of stops him in his tracks. And not only him, but also the Doctor comes back um, with a truck to drive them all to. Uh, safety and while driving where Shimmer yells out that he will come back for show and bring him back with him so yeah there's a emotional bond still there but it's only a one-sided bond because show is not the same kid he used to be and we learn that Vulcan is obviously a target and can't return to his workshop so he's like fine I'll stay at the eighth uh, company for protection in return for being an engineer for them He's not doing it because he wants to be a fire soldier. He's doing it because he doesn't want to die. Yeah, he. it's like he doesn't want to do it for them, like conflicting his morals, but he's like he knows that Company 8 is good, so it's very conflicting for him, but he's just like, yeah, I should stay with you guys, though. So after the fight with show, the Dr. Victor tells them he completed his analysis of the trace amounts that was left behind after the fight, to show where the organization is, the Netherworld, a place in ruins that nobody would go into, but would be a perfect place to hide. Before they need, 
before they can go, they need a power-up, so to speak, before the fighting can actually begin. Arthur, Arthur and Shinra are sent to Benimaru, who trains them on how to best use their abilities and come up with a signature move. Meanwhile, Vulcan stays behind and helps make new equipment for the company's upcoming battle. I love Maki's new equipment that he gave them. Basically, like, another set of uh, two gauntlets that she can control <laughs> yeah. with her little fire buddies. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Finally, after preparations are made, they are sent off to the netherworld. Once inside, they are ambushed, though, upon entering by a thick fog that separates everyone. Tamaki and Iris end up together and take out Assault, which is one of their members, which... You could say they won thanks to Tamaki's lucky pervert moments, which I forgot we <laughs> to mention that throughout, but I just love that she's the one that gets it, and it's nice that a girl gets it, and the funniness that ensues throughout. You guys have to see it to <laughs> enjoy it. And we watched the two of them literally beat this guy to death with like a kick in an iron pipe from Iris, which was also... <laughs> Something great to watch. <laughs> yes. Next, we have Takehisa versus Arrow, the sniper. And here we got to see Takehisa's full power and how he was able to bring the most power out of a bullet with his ability. He even uses the enemy's fire to strengthen his attack to defeat her. Though this left him exhausted and others members, other members set to ambush him when Arthur comes through the ceiling and using his new training is able to defeat the other member Mirage. The Captain and Vulcan now are facing against Giovanni, the team or Company 3's captain, and Lucy, the girl assistant that betrayed Vulcan. The battle tended to be more mind games than anything, since Lucy was pretty much emotionally attacked by Giovanni to do his bidding, but with some luck and the various equipment prepared, they did end up winning. Yeah, there was a lot to take in there, but just know it was a sweet fight scene between, like, everybody. Yeah, this covers, honestly, episode 19 through 24, like, the last five episodes. So there's just so much to talk about Yeah, that even if you guys know who won, it's be- we don't want to spoil the fights all. Like, everything, you guys should definitely watch them because they're really good. Yeah. Plus, anything in the show in the Netherworld, I think, is awesome. They do a really good job at making the Netherworld creepy because you're just, it's the subway system of the old world. And it's just really cool. Okay, so last but not least, we have the Show vs. Shinra fight. And during this fight, we learn a little more about the Evangelist and the connection with the Adola burst and the a power of Adola. And at the start of the fight, they look pretty evenly matched with Shinra's new training, because when they were with Benimaru, they all trained a little bit. So they when they start fighting, they look pretty evenly matched with Shinra's new training, because Benimaru, when they had their Benimaru arc, they all learned a little something new. And he's able to keep up with Sho until Sho shows his true power and slows time, as it seems. But this doesn't deter Shinra, as he decides to become even faster, and he's able to get powered up in a, a sense with the connection that he has with show so he has like this this link so to say and with memories flooding in uh from show he starts to remember who he was and he starts to remember more about his family unfortunately by the time he starts to realize what is going on 
he stabs Shinra through the chest. And before the two can reconnect for the third time, or for real this time, the third person possessing the Adola link, the Adola power, comes up to pick Sho. So there's kind of this this crazy stuff going on. Sho and Shinra are connecting, and then this new person with the Adola power shows up. So yeah, Sho gets taken away, and the netherworld begins to collapse. And eventually Shinra wakes up in the hospital and is confronted by Captain Burns of the First Company. And he tells him everything he knows about the fire that happened 12 years ago. I just want to say when we learn this, because obviously I mentioned spoilers ahead. This is major spoilers. So if you watch this up until this point, this is one thing I'll say. Skip. We learned that the <laughs> infernal that he was chasing was his mother. That yes. that fucked me up a little bit. I'm not gonna. Yeah, lie. I kind of, I kind of thought that would be the case, but I was also hoping it wouldn't be. See, I thought yeah, that was pretty rough. Yeah, before I like the very beginning, my initial thing was that there was someone behind the infernals that like mm-hmm. he purposely made this happen. The whole like blue exorcist thing. He purposely like picked Shinra because he knew some power, like the Adola power. He knew somehow about it. I mean, that is basically how it happened. Is be- but it was because of Show's thing. But yeah, when we learned that it was his mom, I was just like, oh fuck. Yeah, it's like, oh fuck, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, that that took me for a loop. I was like, ugh. Shit, I, mean, I honestly didn't expect that the person was uh, his mom. So that yes. will pretty much wrap everything up for Fire Force Season 1. To leave you guys off with the question of the day is, would you want to be a second gen or third gen? You can't be Ben Maru because he's unique and he's cool, <laughs> so no one else can be like him and have both. You can only be a second or third gen, and what would uh, your ability be? Um, Yeah, I'd definitely be a third gen. I feel like I would have been a third gen just because... I don't know. I I feel like that would have been easier suited than doing something like second gen controlling the fire, but... You can. There's so much you can do with being a second gen. They have so many weird abilities, like the seventh captain and how she can heal people with her snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And then you have like the Joker, who has some unique smoke-like ability. Yeah. You have that guy who can. Maybe that would fire. be a second gen. I just can't think of what my power would be at this. Right off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be a third gen though. I like the idea. Of creating your own flame. Creating creating my own flame, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the facts for today. So in May of 2022, an original video game titled Fire Force Enbu no Show was announced. And Miss Green Apple will perform the game's intro song named NN. And Miss Green Apple is the intro that is the per- band that performed the intro Inferno of the first season. Uh, Fire Force is created by the same p- 
person as soul eater. So you might see some similarities in the artwork and art style of that, and maybe even some of the kind of direction of the show, like Tamaki's um, unique ability, her lucky <laughs> pervert ability. It's definitely a soul eater type vibe. Uh, I noticed this actually when I first watched Fire Force. They had skulls in one of the intro scenes. And I'm like, those skulls they look exactly like Soul Eaters. I wonder if there was any inspiration. Definitely some inspiration seeing that it came from the same guy. And then finally, the name for Shinra and the name for Sho put together. Uh, they are part of an idiomatic phrase in Japanese that is Shinra Bansho which translates to um, something like all creation or all things in nature. So it's a, a neat little tidbit for their name. So that'll be it for today's episode. So don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash weepswan. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at weepswan. And you can contact us at weepswan at gmail.com. That's it from us today. I have been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we... Weeb spawn. <laughs>